and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, mother of dragons, queen of burnout, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And today I am having a conversation with Brooke Adams Law. Not only is she an amazing human, she also helps so many people get their books out into the world. So today we're going to talk about writing brave and writing the book that's inside of you. So join us in our conversation today. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, my super, super amazing friend, my first writing coach, first like person I ever hired to help me with my business, the amazing Brooke Adams Law. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, friend. Tell everybody out in podcasting world who you are and why I think you're so special. Oh, thanks, my friend. So my name is Brooke Adams Law, and I'm a writing coach and an author. So my debut novel, Catch Lights, was a best indie book of the year by Kirkus Reviews, which is super exciting. And I help people write the books that are inside them. So you and I started working together back when I was still copywriting, and I helped you with the Dr. Me First workbook. And I think I did your website, made one iteration of your website. And then when I shifted gears, you were like, I'm going to write my book. Let's go. And so we did. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's been been so fun. Fun, like growing up in business with you, I yes. must say. It's like Likewise. as we've seen each other shift and change and like become just like fuller, more mature, awesome badasses. It's just been fun to sit back and see you do that. And I was so excited when you said, hey, I want to come talk to your audience because I'm like, absolutely, you need to come talk to people because you do amazing work. You've actually helped several previous guests from Dr. Me First write their books as well. Like Kelly, hers is getting ready to get published soon. Kelly Thompson will link to her podcast episode that she came on and talked about burnout in the corporate world. And her book is going to be phenomenal. I'm really excited. I got to preview it a little bit. Yeah, her book is awesome, Closing the Confidence Gap. And she wrote that in my mastermind with you. So yes, super fun. And also I've worked with a lot of doctors and I just feel like doctors have books to write. They have things to say. So I felt like it was a good fit for sure. I think so. You know, so many people that I talk about when they say like, how did you write the Dr. B first workbook? You know, how did you get started in working on your second book? I think it's something that as physicians, as high achievers, like we set really high goals, but then we either freak out when we're not hitting them or we get over intimidated. So talk a little bit about the writing process and, you know, that desire to write a book that's within so many people. Yes. Well, so two things. One is I want to start by touching on what you just said about goals and people set, you know, super high goals and then they don't meet them and they get discouraged. So one of the first concepts that I teach in my mastermind, which is called Secrets of Storytelling, it's all about how to write your first book. The first, one of the first concepts I teach is this idea of achievable goals versus aspirational goals. And what I find is a lot of doctors in particular, but just a lot of first-time writers in general had these very aspirational goals. Like I'm going to take three weeks off and I'm going to write my whole book in three weeks, or I'm going to write my whole book and have it be done in six months. Right. And then they get started and they're kind of like, 
oh shit, like this is like a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. Like there's more to the process than they thought. And so what I always say is I have people start with these very, like, so they had this aspirational goal of what was going to happen. So I have people start with these very achievable, like bite-sized goals in terms of how they start writing. So for some people, so for myself, and I just want to presence this as like, you know, as someone who is an author, published author, working on my second book, my writing goal is 200 words a day, which is like less than a page. Right. And so I think people, when they hear that, they're like, oh my gosh, like 200 words a day is like not that much. And also, right. I've written like 185 pages of my book by doing 200 words a day, because it's like, it's so small that like, I can't really not do it. Right. So another one of, I know your colleagues and friends, Dr. Kara Pepper, when she was in the mastermind, she had her achievable goal was one sentence a day. Right. So, and she said like, she would always write, you know, two or three sentences, sometimes a paragraph or more, but she was basically like, it's the Twitter of writing my book. And it made it feel like really easy to kind of sit down and start. Yeah, absolutely. I really love when Kara did that because I think we were all, there were several doctors in your mastermind and we talked about like just getting overwhelmed by thinking about writing and not actually sitting down and like the blank page. It can be Mm -hmm. so intimidating as far as with that. And so I know our group came up with a bunch of different ideas. You know, Kara's Twitter line, I do dictation rather than typing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And just finding really creative ways to to do this rather than, you know, make it the like traditional, it has to be, you go into the woods and you write and it happens. (laughs) That is not not realistic or feasible in like pretty much anyone's lives. (laughs) So um, it's all about like, how do you bring the woods to you? Right. So I have kind of a studio that I set up in my attic. Like literally I moved out like probably 50 boxes that were not even ours. And I made myself a studio. And so that way I can go up there and no one can get to me because my office space, you know, the kids could like run in. I have two little kids and right. So anyway, I kind of like, that's my way of like bringing the woods to me. I'm like, I will go to my office, but I have a, another doctor client who does dictation through the otter app, otter, like the, the sea animal. And she does it in her car on the way to clinic. Right. So it's, it's just a way she's like sitting in traffic and she's like, let me just, you know, put some ideas in place for my memoir. So it's great. So I know you had also asked this piece about having the desire to write. And what I always say to people is, I believe that the desire to write is a calling to write and that you don't just have the desire because you're being like overly grandiose or right. It's not like this pipe dream, right? You have the desire for a reason. And I believe that like your book is actually calling to you like, I want to be written through you. And so I always tell people to take that desire really seriously because not everyone wants to write a book. Like really, not everyone does. So if you do, it means that you're meant to do it. And I think the other great idea that you encourage, because I know when I was starting in your group, I was thinking I needed to write like an autobiographical, like doctory retelling the story book. And you blew my mind one day when we were talking, you're like, Erin, you can write whatever you want and it can be lies. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so you I think that lies. you can, I think the desire is in there to write a book. And then the next step is, you know, 
maybe it's a children's book. Maybe it's an amazing like coffee table book. Maybe it is a 500 page huge ass novel. Maybe it's nonfiction. Maybe it's fiction. Maybe it's sci-fi. Maybe it's like indie grunge. Like I think that's the other thing I had to get through because I was like, but if I'm going to write a book, it's got to be serious and helpful. Mm -hmm. And when you told me, you're like, no, you can write whatever you want and it can totally be lies. And that's what we call fiction. Yes. I love that moment so much. Right. And you did, you shifted from writing kind of a burnt out to badass the book, right? Like the story to writing this super juicy novel about doctors. I won't give it away, but it was, it was set with, you know, physicians. Um, and so, so fun. Right. So, and I want to say too, that I've had this with other clients where we had a, a mutual friend and a client of mine who came on my first ever in-person retreat, which happened in February of 2020. <laughs> and, uh, and then obviously we've been on a hiatus for in-person events since then. But in any case, this person was writing kind of a really serious, uh, research-based book about, you know, sexual harassment at work. And she was going to weave in some of her own experience, but then also like the Me Too movement and right, like kind of all these big threads. And I remember her saying like, I feel like it's an important book. And also like, it's just too heavy. Like it's too heavy for me to get into it. And I remember I said to her, like, this was kind of the fall of the, of 2020. So like after the pandemic had started and uh, she said, I just can't, I just can't write something so heavy because there's so much heaviness happening in the world. And I said the same thing, like, what if you could write anything? Like, what would it be? And she got so quiet and she was like, I would write, you know, this like detective sort of novel, like historical fiction with this like, you know, detective element. And it's a love story. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Right. But she had this idea that she didn't, she couldn't write fiction. So she had this idea like, well, I'm really good at researching. Right. And I, you know, I'm really good at kind of technical writing. So there was that piece. And then I have another amazing doctor client who's actually publishing with my company, Writing Brave Press. And she is writing this book of quotes that she has collected. She's an oncologist. And so we don't have a title for it yet, but she is writing this book of quotes of things that her patients have said to her, like these really pro, some of them are really profound. Some of them are funny. Some of them are sad, but it's sort of like over the past 15 years, like things that her patients have said that have just stopped her in her tracks. And she just collected them. And now like she's, we're writing a book together and it's just, it's really beautiful. And she was like, does this count? And I was like, yes, it totally counts. It a hundred fucking percent counts. And I think that's the other thing is like somewhere in medical training or as we're entering academia, you know, it has to be like double blinded, you know, studies, or it's got to be like presented at the national conference level bullshit. And it's like, no, if you want to write a schmutty, like alien vampire novel, like you get to do that. If, yes. if that is in your heart, you can write a quote book. You can write a joke book. You could just do drawings. Like, ugh, I know. And I know I get so frustrated because the frustration is on myself, to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're right. We have these desires in us and we have these things that like need to come out in the world, but we're the ones like keeping the top on the bottle mm. and not letting them get it. I remember one time, I think you called it like creativity constipation when mm. you like keep it yeah. all blocked in. <laughs> yes. That's from my friend, Simone Soul is a marketing coach. And she had this whole thing about, um, about, yeah, creative constipation that if you don't let your ideas out, right, it basically, they become constipated. So she's like, just poop it out. 
Here, keep it flowing. You're like, I'd always okay. call it word vomit. Like, just let yeah. it go. Like, eventually, if you keep talking long enough, like, that's when I'm, like, doing dictation. If I keep talking long enough, like, the message falls out of my mouth. Yes. That's what works for me. Other people, I think if they type long enough or if they longhand write it, like, eventually it, like, flows out. And you're like, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Fell out right there. And, yeah. you and like, that moment happens where you're like, oh, there it is. That's exciting type of thing. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I think that a lot of newbie writers like myself get into is we have to get this out now. Like it has to happen at this moment or like that time scarcity comes out. And I think you call it consistency over urgency. Talk a little bit about that and how you approach that with people. Yes. I love this. So I do, I have a lot of doctors, like I said, who are like, I'm going to take three weeks off and just bang it out. Right. And what I talk about is actually the writing process itself. So like the process of writing the book, not just the end product that you come out with at the very end, the process itself has so much to teach us, right. About who we are and how we live and right, Like all these things. And part of it is the dailiness of showing up to your creative practice, right? Whether it's writing, whether it's starting your book or whether it's another creative practice like drawing or painting or whatever it might be. There's something in that dailiness of showing up for it. And for some people, it's not every day. For some people, it's like, oh, on Wednesdays from like two to three, I write or whatever it is, right? But for me, I show up in these like little 15 to 20 minute chunks like every day. And that dailiness, I'm like, it has so much to teach me. And then the book is kind of rolling around in the back of my mind, right? And it's sort of like, it comes out in these like little drips at a time. But if I try to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to write for four hours, all of the creativity like dries up and it's like, we don't want that pressure of like jamming it out. Like it's not like you're writing a paper for school or it's not like you're kind of like cramming for a test, right? It's this sort of like gentle practice and it becomes this way of being, right? So that things that are happening then like find their way into my book in some like completely unexpected way, right? Or the book itself will like surprise me. So I know that you've talked about that of driving along and you're like, oh, let me just think about my book. And then you have this idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be so crazy or funny if like this or this happened, right? So the ideas come through or like everyone always talks about having ideas in the shower, right? The ideas come through kind of at their own pace. And when you show up for them consistently, right, without that sense of urgency of like, I have to be done in six months or I have to be done in three months or whatever, you know, false deadline you've set for yourself, so much more is able to flow out when you kind of release that expectation. I think you can feel that in books too when you read them. At least Mm -hmm. I have, especially with different like nonfiction self-help type books, you can tell like this person was really pushing to get it out instead of letting the ideas flow. And I don't know, it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like sometimes in some books you can, you can get that point across or like a storyline doesn't seem quite right or complete. And I feel like at times it's because they're pushing, especially I think about, you know, I I read a lot of fantasy fiction. It's like my BFF. And usually the first books in the series are pretty good, but then you can tell when an author has a deadline because you can tell when series aren't really allowed to gestate, you know, when instead they're like forced through. Yes. And I think it ruins some really good stories. And I've I've heard authors interviews with that when they were like, yeah, that one wasn't as what I wanted it to be. Yeah. 
I love that you brought this up. And I feel like I've had the same experience. Like I read someone's debut novel a few years ago and I loved it so much. And then I was so excited. She had another book coming out just the following year. And I thought it was terrible. And it really did feel like that, like rushed sensation of just like, she was like banging it out for a deadline. And yeah, I love that. Yeah. You can, you can tell. And it's sort of like when you honor the process over the product, I think people can tell that too. Right. So when you really like take your time and sort of let it come through at its pace, you can tell that. And I think too, what I've learned through, I guess I can call myself a writer and author now, which we can get into that too, is there is no right time. Like it'll come Mm. when it'll come. I remember you giving examples of authors who didn't publish until like later in life. And then they went on to be like prolific writers Mm. and have multiple Mm -hmm. books. And I think the other thing too, when it comes and kind of what you touch on in your teaching is the perfect isn't in the words or in the process. It will be at the end. So like have the messy middle. Yeah, I love this. There's a couple of things I want to touch on. So the messy middle is so important. And I have a lot of folks in my mastermind now who are sort of in that amorphous, like they don't know yet what the book is going to look like. And I'm in that in my own book as well. And it's like, I've just trained myself to be like, oh, this is the messy part where I don't know what's happening next. And there's a lot of threads and like in my, in my book, I've like alluded to things that I don't know yet what are, they're going to be. Right. So it's, it is really messy and it's just sort of being able to sit in that uncertainty and like be with the not knowing it's really uncomfortable. And also like really good work comes out of that space. If you let it right. If you don't, if you aren't trying to like muscle it into the shape of a story, like too early and you're sort of like letting it flow out what's coming out, really interesting things tend to happen like later in the process. And I want to speak also to just like, right, like normalizing the amount of time, right? So my debut novel is called Catchlight. It took me seven years to write it, which people always like fall over when I tell them that, but it really did. Like I started it, I was really young. I started it when I was right out of college and it took me seven years to write it. And then it took me six more years to get it published. I was just extremely persistent. And part of the reason that I started my writing coaching practice is I don't want it to take you six years. And also for some people, it still might take, right? Like that much time, right? And a lot of life was happening during that time. It's not like I was just, you know, sitting tortured at the computer the whole time. But I just want to say that like, it takes longer often than people anticipate. And also when you stick with it, the rewards at the end are so beautiful. Like I'm so proud of my book. I'm really freaking proud of it. I'm like, yeah, it took me seven years and I gave it like the very best that I could. Right. And the other thing I wanted to touch on is what you were saying about, like, you said, I guess I could call myself a writer and an author, right? So I do a lot of work in my practice about stepping into the identity of author and write, like, like first becoming, like being able to call yourself a writer, being able to tell people that you're writing a book and then starting to connect with that author identity, even before your book is published, it changes the way that you show up to the page. And it's so important, right? Because... I know a lot of published authors who don't think they're legit. Like they have all this imposter syndrome, even though they've already published a book and they have a lot of this scarcity of like, but people are going to find out like the jig is up. That was like a one hit wonder, like, and right. And it's sort of like their next work is like fueled by this insecurity. And whereas I see like, if people start practicing calling themselves an author, like while they're still writing, they're able to integrate it more 
when their book does come out. They're able to do more work marketing it and right, just like be more proud of it, right? All the things when they don't feel like someone might find out that I'm not legit. Yeah, which is funny. It makes me think of something recently. I had a patient come in and we were just chitty chatting, you know, doing his usual medical visit. And he was like, and so you have a podcast? I was like, I have two podcasts, my friend, because he had finally Googled me. And so I always think that's the most hilarious thing because I used to be afraid. I used to be afraid of being like found out. Mm -hmm. And before I took this latest job, I told my employer, I was like, you need to Google me and make sure you're okay with everything that shows up because that's not going away or that's not changing. And so now I think it is funny when people actually have people who establish with me because of things they've seen on the internet. So, you know, I think so many times we're so fearful of having these extracurricular things outside of our like doctor identity, when in fact it makes us, I think, more fuller. And the people who don't resonate with that, fuck that. Like, go find another doctor. It's totally okay. There's a whole bunch of family med doctors if you don't want to see Dr. Wiseman. You know, and luckily we live in the U.S. where you get to pick your healthcare provider according to your insurance, of course. But that's another story for another day. But you're right. I, I have no problem saying, yeah, I'm a podcaster. Yeah, I'm a coach. I'm a speaker. And even though Dr. Me First has been out since 2017, I still get hung up on I'm an author and I'm writing another book type of thing. And I think it's because for me, it's because I'm not like actively doing it every single day. But you're right. Having that sacred space, maybe it's like 45 minutes on a Saturday and that's it. And maybe it's one Saturday a month. But I have to keep reminding myself that still counts. That's still in the definition of author, writer. Yes. Yes, totally. And it gets to be like one part of your identity, right? I think in the U.S. in particular, like I think we have this cultural idea that like you can only be one thing, that you can't be like many things, right? So being able to embrace like being many things and like letting that be beautiful. And I know that there are my listeners out there who are like, okay, I need to write a book, but they want to like plan all the steps ahead of time. Who would I publish it through? What would the cover look like? Talk a little bit about that. Yes. So there's so many ways we could go. Okay. So the first thing I think is don't even think really about publishing unless you are clear what you're writing about. And for most people that requires you to actually write the book before you start thinking about publishing. I would say that the exception is if you know that you really want to publish with a traditional publisher, which is like, you know, it's called the big five, right? It's like Random House and Simon & Schuster, like those big folks. And then indie indie, uh, publishers also fall under that umbrella, right? You need a literary agent in order to like get through that gateway. And that getting a literary agent is like a hugely long process. I actually still do not have one. I do, it does not affect my author identity one iota, right? I don't care, but mostly you need it. You need an agent. And to get that, you have to write something called a book proposal. If you're writing nonfiction, if you're writing fiction, you have to write the whole novel and submit it, but it's a hugely long process. So I usually tell people, and like, there's really no guarantee of success. So what I tell people is start with the writing process, right? Start with the book, like start showing up for your book every day, see what wants to come out. And then, right, you have so many options. Like when you have a book that's finished or close to finished, you have so many options. You can decide, do I want to write a book proposal and, you know, go for a traditional publisher? Do I want to self-publish this baby by myself? Or there's also a middle way, which is called hybrid publishing. So my company, Writing Brave Press, is a hybrid publisher. 
And the way that works is you pay upfront for the production of the book. So my professional team of graphic designers and proofreaders, right? They kind of like package the book and they work with you on what the cover is going to look like and all those things. And then you keep all of the royalties, right? So as opposed to with something like traditional publishing, what I always say is you're going to invest either time or money and you can decide. So if if you're going after traditional publishing, you're going to spend a lot of time, right? Like looking for agents, pitching agents. It's like, it's like a part-time job in and of itself. And a lot of people are like, I don't have the time or inclination to do this. Right. And the last option is self-publishing where you kind of pay for the production yourself. You get to keep all the royalties, but you don't have anyone guiding you. You're going to be doing a lot of Googling of like, what's the next step, right? Like, what do I do? How do I, how do I find a graphic designer, right? Like all of those pieces. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of options and that's something that I help folks with figuring out which publishing pathway is right for them. And, you know, I think it's more and more acceptable to do hybrid publishing. Dr. Me First was hybrid published. That's what I'll do next time. One, because then I still own my book. And two, I think it's the best of both worlds. It gets published professionally. It looks great. I'm in Target, Walmart, Amazon, everywhere. And it's there. It's, It's still a book. It's still born. And so I think that you know, going with the traditional publishing route, I think it really is falling out of favor. I mean, it seems like the big names like Brene Brown and Adam Grant and like those folks are, you know, get those big ass contracts and stuff. But for, I guess, kind of like the average Joe, you still have a book, you still sell it. I still make maybe like $9 a month on my book and it's however many years old, you know? Like, so I think just recognizing that there's no, one right way that you have to do this. And again, like reassuring folks who are out there and they're like already 700 steps ahead of time, which I understand that my brain does that too, that it will be okay. And there's a lot of great resources and a lot of great people like yourself out there to help. So I do want to give a a shame plug on you. So the course that we've been talking about, The Secrets of Storytelling, was I like in the second cohort? You were the first, first cohort. Yeah. Okay. I was in the first cohort and I love anything that Brooks does. So when she messaged me, I was like, of course, hashtag take my money and did it, really loved it. And guys, seriously, it was at the level of what I felt like was a college level course, but that I really enjoyed showing up to class for. It's got me thinking in so many different ways. You brought in a bunch of the stuff that you had learned as you were going through your master's, but made it in a very like digestible and interesting and creative way. So if you're interested in like digging into yourself and finding out more about this book that's in your heart, I would highly recommend Brooke's course. It was top notch. I loved it. I I started a new job, so I wasn't able to keep going to the weekly classes, but I would watch the replays. And I just, I loved it. And honestly, I'll probably do it again just to, because I learned so much and felt like I could learn so much more, maybe as the book is maturing a little bit more. Like I picked up, I felt like the first round, which is like the acceptance that this could be a fiction novel. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I think I can pick up more about, you talk about structuring, you talk about the voice, you talk about story development that I'm going to have to go through sometime. And I think just anybody out there who is willing to invest in this, it really is worth it. And it has really made for me writing this story much easier. 
Thank you. Yes. Secrets of storytelling is, it's so fun. Like I love teaching it so much. And I think one, well, two pieces of feedback that also, in addition to what you said, which warmed my heart, that it feels like a college class, but really fun to show up to. I've been told that like one, people start reading differently. So like mm-hmm. they see, but they start reading like a writer, which I love so much. And then another piece that I heard is that I really bring a lot of self-compassion to my work and like having that energetic layer of like having the self-compassion and not like pushing for the result, but like really like listening to the book and, and being like gentle, like through the process has also been really impactful for people. Well, and I think too, like I remember telling you like, Brooke, I'm not going to be able to come to class anymore because I'm going to be in clinic and I don't think I'm going to get this book done. And you're like, okay, it's fine. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, I think you demonstrating that it was so different than like the typical quote unquote, like coaching course, which is all about like action and goals and da, 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 that it it really helped me to be like, yeah, this might take some time, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Like mm-hmm. no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't mean, right. Because if I had said like, well, Aaron, you need to show up, you need to figure out a way to get it done. Right. It might've made you just stop and be like, well, I can't do it at all. Oh, I would have thrown it in the closet and not picked it up. And now I pick it up every so often and work on it. And I know that it's okay to come back to because there was no shame or guilt put around it. It was just like, nope, this is life. And I think you even told me, you're like, yeah, and now you're going to get like evidential based evidence to write more on this book. Like maybe this is like your research portion again. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I think there's this piece too, that I always tell people of like, life is going to happen. Right. And, and I think part of what I, and I think I even built it into the curriculum. Right. So like when life happens for me, right. So I just had a period where, right. Like there were some kids homesick and then my husband had some really crazy work stuff and we had a death in the family. Right. And so I would make, I make a conscious decision. Like I'm not going to write for this many weeks. And then I set myself like an end time, like in three weeks, I'm going to check in and see how I feel. And like, do I need more time? Right. Or do I want to come back to it? Do I want to shorten my goal to a hundred words a day? And maybe it's three days a week instead of five days a week, right. Whatever it is. And sort of like, let so like normalizing, right. Those storms that come is sort of like not a cause for shame, like you said, or, or embarrassment, right. It's just sort of like, oh yeah, this is the part where life happens. And my, my practice is like flexible enough to allow for it because otherwise, right? Like there's no room for my creative practice at all. If there's not room for life to happen around it. I love that too, because I think you had mentioned that you had gotten that off of Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast, Big Magic, where she told people to like set the project aside and come back to it only when like your heart desires it. And like then, and if it never does, then you're done. Mm -hmm. And, and if it does, then continue on friend. And so I think that's, what's been exciting for me is I do that with a lot of projects. Like I crochet in the winter and then I put it away when it gets warm. One, cause it's like hot under a bunch of yarn, but it just, it's not the season for it. And to remind yourself, like, it's absolutely okay. You will come back to it. Cause I think there's that fear of like, if I don't finish, it will never get done. Yeah. And sometimes, right. It's sort of this like recommitment. And like, so I put, I put away my first book, Catchlight, for a couple of years because I tried to get it published 
and I couldn't. And I was like, maybe no one's ever going to read this. Like, I don't know. Right. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then like a few years went by and I was like, let me just submit it right for this contest. And then it won where previously I had submitted it and it didn't even make the final round. Right. So it's sort of like, you never know what's going to happen. And if you let it go, it'll often come back around if it's meant to. Awesome. Well, Brooke, tell people where they can hang out with you, find more information, talk with you if they have ideas. Yes. So you can find me at my website, which is my name, brookeadamslaw.com. So Brooke with an E on the end and law, L-A-W, like a law firm. People sometimes think I am, but nope, it's just my last name. And you can also find me on Instagram, which is brookeadamslaw underscore author. So that's where I hang out. Well, thanks so much for coming and chitty chatting. I know you have so much wealth of knowledge to share. And I just want to encourage people out there that there is a book within you and that you can get it out. Yes, let's do it. I bet y'all have heard it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again, Brooke, for coming on the podcast and hanging out with me, helping me get my books out into the world and for so many other people. If you too want to hang out with Brooke, check out the show notes and get all of her links. She's amazing to follow on social media and even more so when she helps you be a book doula and birth that book out into the world. So as always, my friends, please remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
Baby, let's run to you. 